Hello, hello, everyone. It's Chris Calvert from Career Goals. And today we will be talking to Simone Jurgis, who is a friend of mine. And this is really exciting because you think you know your friends and then you start asking about what they do for a living and you're like, well, no way. Like you do that. And how do you even get that? And how do you know how to do that? And how does that even make sense to you? So that is like what we'll be doing on this job tour today. So come along with me because this will be really interesting, really exciting, incredibly informative because Simone is a civil engineer. So that is his background. That's his education. And that's all great. And it's amazing and incredible. However, Simone works for the city of Newport Beach. He could work in this level of department, this kind of a situation for any city, because he works as the director. He has a humongo job, manages this huge department, lots of people. He has planners, he has, um, you know, people on the building side, people on the planning side. So his whole department basically is in charge of regulating, which means like enforcing laws, regulating the private property for all of the city of Newport Beach. And that is a lot of dollars that come in for people wanting to do say I he's the guy like I want to redo my kitchen okay you got to take your plans and show them to this department and say can I do it like this or what you know permits do I need you need a permit for this whatever your new breaker you need a permit for that for those windows new windows that you're putting in all that kind of stuff if you're a real estate developer and you want to put up a new shopping mall a new hospital a new I don't know gas station any of that stuff This is the guy that you have to get by for that to be approved. So huge job, really cool. And then the shocker surprise what we're talk about as we go through is where the engineers fit and then where other people might fit, like urban planners, English majors, hint, hint, like really cool. You just, it's really surprising the way that this this conversation will go. So come along with me on yet another job tour. We're talking again to Simone Georges, who is a civil engineer, but he works for the city. He works for a city government in the development department. So here we go with Simone Georges. I'm great. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for uh, having me here. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Um, So we're going to get right to it. I'm just going to ask you to tell us what it is that you do. Yeah. What what is it that I do for city government? And everybody wants to know, what is it that I do? Because sometimes, um, you know, government officials have some stereotypes and, you know, they, they think that we don't do a whole lot, but it's kind of the opposite. I think this is probably the hardest job I've ever had in my entire career. Really? And I've worked both in the public sector and in the private sector. Um, so I'm, and I'm really fortunate to be working for the city of Newport beach. It's a, it's an exciting place. It's an exciting city. Um, you know, we have, um, so much going for the city. It's a beach community. Yep. Um, and we have the Harbor, we have the beaches, we have a lot of resorts, HOAs, um, you know, all the islands that we have in the Harbor. So there's a lot going on in Newport and in Newport beach, it attracts a huge amount of investment dollars. Oh yeah. Right. So there's about over a billion dollars a year that are spent on development in Newport. Okay, my jaw just dropped. You can't yeah. see that, so I'll just I'll drop my yeah. mic here for yeah, you. It's, wow, it's a big okay, number, but that, and, and that's, that's a conservative number too. I'm sure that's commercial or that's that's everything. Oh, that's that's a lot everybody of money. from either remodeling their kitchen, their baths. 
to developing new apartment buildings, new houses. So wow. going okay. back to what, what is it that I do? And so I, I'm in charge of a department of city government. So that department um, regulates or a regulatory agency regulates private property development. And that's primarily what we do. Um, so anytime anybody wants to do anything on their private property, they have to get the right approvals from the city. Some of these approvals are passed down to us from the state. So the state says you have to be in compliance with all the environmental laws. Um, other approvals, other regulations that we have are imposed by the city itself. The city council has adopted these rules. And it's rules from zoning. You know, how tall can a house be? Right, how, the fence with your neighbor. Yeah, fence like with your that. neighbor. Yeah. Right. Um, so I we, think you even do the easements on my house, right? So like well, if I... It'll yeah. get reviewed. Right. If I want to do something, if I want to remodel my house, for right. instance, you're the final say in whether I can do it like this or like that that's, or come to this yeah, length that's or that it, length, That's right? exactly it. So... Um, we regulate private property. And so there, there's another department that regulates public property. And in a sense, the sidewalk, the streets, the sewers, oh, the I didn't easements. I think about that. Right. right. So there's, there's different departments have different specialties. We're on the private property. But isn't properties. that public property, isn't that the government doing that? It's, so they're regulating themselves? Yeah, it is. Okay. I mean, but sometimes um, maybe AT&T wants to put fiber in the street, right? So now AT&T needs to get, uh, go through our process because they're going to trench our streets. They are, and, get and they're going to leave them not so great oh, at right, the end, maybe. Right, yeah. And so, so yeah, we are. We, it's our pri- uh, property, but we work with a lot of different telecommunication companies. We work with Edison. We work with the gas company. I mean, there's always um, maintenance to be done. There's always upgrades that need to be done. So that's the constant flow. That's kind of cool, too, because that's true on, on all your private projects. That's true in all your space, all the Edisons, all that, right? Yeah, so, I mean, all, all, all that. So, so there's multiple departments that work on, say, if you were to build a brand new house in the city of New Per Beach, you're going to work with the community development department to kind of regulate, um, to, to go through that um, regulatory review for the private property side. And then when the contractor is actually going to start construction, they, they got to work with Edison. They got to work with the public works department to pull in the new um, electrical feeders to come in to, to serve that, that household. So Newport, uh, so the community development department in Newport is really, really busy. So oh, totally. It, yeah. And, well, especially and, when you're talking that, that kind of dollars. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. Because that, that kind of dollars translates into a lot of transactions, right? Like a lot of plans, a lot of things that people are doing. There, there is a, it's, it's a volume business. Right. You know, That's what, what I'm we're getting. Doing. Okay. Um, you know, there's probably, we do about 6,000 permits are issued through the city of Newport Beach. What do you need a permit for? So what would those permits be? You know, anything, for, if you want to remodel your house or remodel your kitchen, you got to get a permit. If you want to change your windows out, you got to get a permit for that. Um, if you want to tear down a house and rebuild a new house, then you got to get a permit for that. And that is a huge, huge business in Newport Beach. It's just to buy the small beach cottages, tear down and rebuild it. Um, there, there is a demand to be located in Newport Beach. And so there's a demand for housing. There's a demand for bigger houses. Um, and so you see a lot of the spec builders come in and just buy and tear it down and rebuild. Um, and that just generates a huge amount of work for the city and the city staff. Ultimately, it's a good thing. It redevelops the, the neighborhood. It adds value to the neighborhood, increases property taxes. And those property taxes pay for services, You know, the fire department, the police department. Um, the Schools. libraries, the, yeah. yeah, all that is paid for from, you know, those property taxes, a portion of those property taxes. Um, and, and for Newport, the values are so high that everybody wants to do business in Newport beach because there's profits to be made. Right. And so that's why we see at least a billion dollars a year being invested in the community. And that's really a low number. You know, oh, it's, I'm it's, sure. It's, I'm sure it's probably higher. That's crazy. That. Um, 
Well, it's actually super cool though, in terms of what you do. So you've been doing this for a little while, but I want to get, I want to get to also what your background is. Like, how do you know? Cause I think boy, we were just talking about this just to give people an idea. I had a set of plans in front of me this morning and I thought I was going to go into convulsions, <laughs> right? It's like, it's uh, uh, okay. So they first, they give you what's called the elevation, right? So that's like the first plan. That's what it's supposed yeah, to look like. Right? right. And then you go to the next page and the next page is like electrical. And then you go to the next page. It's like first floor. And you go to the second page. It's like second floor. So, those are just hieroglyphics. Each oh, of completely. Hieroglyphics. Yeah. And then the planting and then the lighting and then, right. And then on, written on the plants is all Greek. You know, it might as well be Greek for me. So tell me, how did you get started? What, like, what did you sure. do? Like, but what I want to know first, even to what I like to do for people is to, um, as you talk about kind of, well, I, you know, I got a degree here. I got a degree here. Um, when we talk about even getting an engineering degree, like, are you a math kid in high school? Are you, yeah. like, you know, what do you love right, to do? Right. Kind of what drives that so that people can say like, plug in here, right? I'm 16 years old. I'm listening to this. Like, holy cow. Like I'm that guy. Yeah, I can do I this. Right? Right. So, right. so, uh, so, so give us an idea. Great, great questions going back in time now, you know, back in time to, to the eighties. So I've always been that math and science individual, right? I, I'm bad at writing. And interesting enough, I find my, most of my time now I spend writing. Oh, right. And there's so, the rub. Right? Yeah. So, so for me back then, I was like, I'm just more math and science. I'm good at that stuff. I'm not but good you, at writing. Were your parents that, or do you, you, that was like your uh, thing? No, no, I think they were both. They were both both math and science um, okay. individuals too. They were real good at math, and you know, I, I don't think anybody focused really on knowing how to write English in the household. It wasn't really the priority. So, and now today, that's all I do is write. I'm sure. I wish I had a master's degree in English. Well, a master in email write. or a master in no writing, like yeah, writing. proposals, so, like what kind of? So interesting just enough, like, well, what, like circle around that. Th- for a second. There's there's a lot of things that need to get um, approvals from a higher order. So we need approvals from the city council. We need approvals from the planning commission to do what? Um, some things, some permits can't be issued by staff. There's a small percentage of permits that have to are called discretionary permits. Okay, and so you have to make um, you have to go to the board or the planning commission or the city council to ask for those permits to be approved, and that's kind of the simplest way of, of looking at that. Um, so to do that, to make that request, you have to write a staff report. You got to write a report that explains everything, everything that's involved with this discretionary approval, everything from the environmental side to the land use side, Got to the it. zoning, right? The traffic. So these are long. Long, yeah, right? It's and, not like a one-pager. And, and, and for us, from a staff standpoint, sometimes we want to write in a higher technical way. In reality, these staff reports are public. And these reports- Or they're written, yeah, for the board, for the, the city council. They're written for the city council, yeah. but also written for the public too. Okay, because so everything's available. Everything's available. And um, we work with the public, the press also, the city council. So we have to write in this very simplistic form. So we're constantly writing, rewriting, reviewing, rewriting to, to not to say dub it down, but- No, but does so, that make sense? Can, can someone understand right, that from how right. I'm writing this? And we always yeah, say- I totally you know, get that. Think about who- Think about your mother reading this. You can think about me. And, you can use me yeah. in the next reading. <laughs> and, think and, about dinging, ding dong, Chris over yeah, there. And, 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 is, and, is, and is anybody going to read this can understand the subject matter or do you have to sit down and explain to them what the subject matter is, right? right. If you have to explain to them 
then it's not working. Then you got to rewrite it. And hence, we constantly rewrite it. And so we write a ton of reports. Um, and we have to because we have to submit it to the city council or the planning commission or any other commissions or boards. Um, so th hence, that's why I go back to the writing. I wish I took a I took more writing classes. Well, I don't know if they would have helped. I mean, I think, well, it, right? It, I like, think it does. I think, okay. that, believe it or not, when we hire staff and we hire some individuals that have a degree in English, I'd be like, yes, I want okay, to hire you. But instead of engineering or something yeah. like that? Yeah, we do. Oh, we do. okay. And, and of course, we have a, a broad mix. Sure. Right. You know, in the community. This is cool, though. That yeah. I wouldn't even think that. I would think that if I worked for you, I, like I couldn't work for you because I, I'm really good at writing and uh, I, I we, don't, we just, I'm not an engineer. We just hired a, um, so in the department, we have about 70 employees and the two primary divisions are planning and um, building. So building is more the engineer side. Okay. And that's where you have the engineers reviewing all the math and calculations. But on the planning side, those are the ones that are looking at the environmental aspects, looking at the height and the zoning aspects of a, of a property or of a development. Um, I just hired an individual, a new planner to come on board. Their undergrad was English. And, what? and now they're working on the graduate in urban planning. And okay. For me, okay. that's like, that's, that's the blend. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. That's perfect. I get it. Um, okay. And the same thing with me. I wish I did more of that English writing, um, in the, in the, at the university level than I really did. I just took the minimum. And Whatever you done. had to. Yeah. I was yeah, done. Exactly. Check, check, check. Right. And so I did more of the math, the bath and science stuff. So. Okay. This is super interesting. Then yeah. too, Right. Even to say like what you would have done. Okay. So when you, when you're a kid though, you're, you're like math science guy. So you'd like science camps or science, like honors classes in science. Oh, I took, like I took the, whatever honors was I would take. If it was in, in physics or chemistry, that's what I enjoyed. And okay. that's what I was really good at. All right. Um, and that's what I focused on. I mean, believe it or not, my, what I wanted to be was a pilot. I was going to ask what else, yes. is there something else in line? Yeah. What? That, that's okay. what I was. So in high school, I got my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. What? Okay. Yeah. This is cool. I know. That's I know. awesome. It's, it is weird. Okay. Wait, I, so hold, did your parents support that? Were they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. That, how, I think tell, mom was nervous every time I went totally. flying, flying at 15 and a half, you know, going, oh my God. Right. And this is before cell phones. So I remember every time I land, my mom says, every time you land, please call me. Yeah. Go to the little yeah, right, airport pay, thing and yeah. And, and call. So. Oh, this uh, is cool. Okay. But what, what drove that? You just loved planes. You loved flying. Yeah. I was, loved... I was the, the plane geek. You know, I, lo Very I loved cool. the, the airplane side. Of course I was, you know, math and science. So I love flying and. Um, but you know, after flying and I flew for uh, a few years, not did a you fly lot. to get paid or did you fly for, for pleasure? Like, no, I, I, I want to be a professional pilot. So I, first you got your pilot's license yeah. and then your instrument rating, you start moving up. So the more I kind of moved up, the more I didn't like the business aspect of it. I enjoyed, which is what? Um, what, like what for you, because I'm thinking if you're a pilot, you would go and call United Airlines and, and submit your application or whatever and go and be a pilot. So what's the business aspect that you came come up against? I, th I think what it was is that speaking to other professional pilots in, you know, the Pan Am days or the old days, of American Airlines, um, you know, there was a lot of acquisition and mergers and a lot of pilots lost their seniority. I know. Right. They got, they got, and they have to, yeah. When they did the mergers and things yeah. and, then, and, and they, they got, lose their pensions, and, lose their pension yes. and, and. Even when I was, you know, again, I got my pilot's license when I was 16, but by the time I was 18, 19, I was, I was starting to lose interest okay. in that, that business side. Um, and so I, I finally made a decision as far as what my career was going to be was not to go into the airlines, not to be a pilot. So the, is the decision, is there another proactive decision on the other side of this or is it just not that? It was not that. Okay. Very it was, cool. It was yeah. not that. Right. Um, and since I liked math and science, I said, okay, I will major in physics. Did someone tell you that? Or you came up, you no, came up, I came with, up that? with that. I came up with that. I was going to be a physics major. And so I was starting taking, and what were you going to do? 
We're going to be a physics and, and major and, uh, and, that, that's, and work for and Einstein lab. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll get to that. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so now I'm at the university level as a physics major taking physics course, courses, and I'm doing really well. I mean, this is – I think my understanding of physics is either you get it or you don't. You're either yeah, getting so. like 100% or like a zero. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. It, I it, was a zero. No. Right. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I think I was probably somewhere in the yeah. middle, but I think that's unusual. I think, yeah, you get it or you don't. And I was and I was, and I, I was the one that was getting the 100%. I was getting totally, it. Totally, right? I was, Just I was, nail it. I was a rock star. And then so I'm sitting in the kind of these study labs and doing my homework, and some of the kind of graduating seniors in physics um, were – studying there too. And I was talking to them. I'm like, Oh, so you got a job, right? You're going to graduate. He goes, nah, you can't really get a job. You know, with undergrad, you got to go get a graduate degree. And I was like, Oh, I go, then you're going to get a job. And they're like, no, you're probably going to get back and get a PhD. And I was like, no, no. I am not doing this. I'm not going to spend nine years in my life to get a PhD to go try and find a job. And that, that for me, it bugged me. That's super interesting. And I did. They should almost tell you that when you're like filling. I always feel like they should just tell you the rules of all this stuff before you start doing it. I know. Right? Like you're filling right. out the application. You say, I want to be a physics major. And then up pops. You well, know, now they could just send you an email that says, by the way, if you're going to be a physics major, you're going to need to go to grad school and yeah, get a PhD right. and go back into academia and it's not to, or something. it's not to knock uh, anybody who's got a physics degree. because No, they're, en- it's amazing. I'm, I'm kind of envious of Completely. anybody who's pulled that off. But for me, that was kind of the deciding factor. I did want to work. I wanted to graduate. I want to get a job. I want to start making an income. So for me, it was I needed to go and figure out what I wanted to do. And so what I decided to do was go talk to the engineering school. So I talked to the dean. Did you know, like when I was a kid, I didn't even know what engineering was. And I had a girlfriend whose um, dad like ran his own engineering company. And I didn't even know like what the word meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I knew it either. Until, I but like, I, until I got, I, yeah, until I got to university level, then I was starting to understand is like, oh, there's different disciplines. There's mechanical engineering. Electrical Can you just tell us a little bit for someone who's listening and they're like me and they really don't know, have any idea. What are the, cause you are a civil engineer? Yeah, I'm a civil engineer. So right, yeah. there's civil, mechanical, electrical. electrical. There's computer science and there's Oh, computer aerospace. science separate from electrical now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So electrical is anybody who's going to make, who's going to actually design a computer or electrical board or that radio system, the electronics behind it. Okay. That's really the electrical engineering side of it. And there's a huge demand for those those professions. I'm sure. Um, especially in the aerospace, engineer, uh, aerospace in- industry. Mechanical engineers are people who will end up designing maybe in engine or a car uh, or biomedical biomedical anything that's of a mechanical nature okay. i always say maybe maybe small in nature but even though you know airplanes are kind of in that realm too so anything that deals with hydraulics or fluids um or heat like an air conditioning oh, system thermodynamics yeah yeah Interesting. that's okay. all that's all the mechanical side of things all right civil engineering is pretty broad too it deals with actually the movement of dirt back and forth on land um rivers dams, um, anything that's of infrastructure, anything that's a vertical bridges, bridges, a house, you know, towers, all the Burj Khalifa. Right. Yeah. All, all that is more on the civil engineering side. Very cool. Um, and there is, you know, it's all based on physics, but the specialty is understanding, um, like for uh, the structural towers, you know, how do they react? How does a tower react in wind? Which is a lot of wind up there. Yeah, and how does it react in an earthquake? And and how how much loading can the building support? And then what if you do if you put all these loads at once? Well, how does the building react? And so that's what all that engineering process is. Very cool. Yeah, it is is kind of yeah. I want to give people an idea because honestly, I, I. 
I think for those of us who are good at math, if you don't know the, these, and they're, if, especially for women, you know, it's not like everyone's telling you this from when the time you're a kid, you know, maybe now it's different. But when I was a kid, they weren't like, Hey, you know what? You should go into engineering. They're like, you're good at math. We don't really know what to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a different, a different world. It's a different, it, it I hope a, so. It was a different world yeah. back okay, then. Exactly. Clearly. Yeah. I hope yeah. it's different now. So, okay. So that's cool. So, so you're... for me, so for me, I went, so I knew what engineering was, but I didn't know which branch of engineering I wanted to go. So I start talking to the different disciplines, electrical, mechanical, civil. This is when you're in college. Science. So now you're yeah. just starting to get really proactive about right. let me this figure is, out. This is really the kind of the late eighties okay. of me trying to figure things out. And and then from there I, I decided I wanted to go into civil engineering. And it was really mainly for me, it was financial. It was there was a broader job market for me at the time mm-hmm. in the civil engineering field. So I went through the entire program and got my degree as an engineer. Um, and then later I got licensed as a civil engineer because the state issues actually licenses to practice engineering. So when I graduated, so I got a degree degree in engineering. Okay, I, hold on. Yeah. Is that a really tough degree to get? Um, so some, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right. So, what are some of the classes you take as a civil engineer? Oh my gosh, you take a huge amount of math classes. It's it's the the fancy math. Um, um, All the uh, like. Well, we did derivatives and stuff like that. It's not yeah, it's like beyond that. that. It's yeah. beyond the calculus and the derivatives, and you start going into kind of more higher complex type of math. Um, kind of, it's engineering related math, but it was, it gets really complex and it's stuff that I don't even use today. Interesting. You know, yeah. You, know, you may use it if you're in electrical engineering because it all relates to waveforms, mm-hmm. um, and signals and all that. So, and, and that's not something that civil engineers use at all. Um, other, other classes is, um, you know, materials, you know, how do materials react oh, right. during stress? Yeah. Um, and why does steel, um, you know, does, is steel, uh, do they yield? Does it bend? How much does it bend? Does it deflect? Completely. Yeah. Does Porous. It, is it, yeah. Is yeah. It all that. And, it... and, and we took a lot of classes on just rocks and soil because when you build a house on, in, on the dirt, you got to build it on, on a, on a, on a soil system that is stable enough to support a house. And what happens to the soil during an earthquake? Yeah. Totally right. Eroded, so, yeah. so all those, all, cl- changed, all yeah. those classes that we have to do, and there's a lot of labs that go with it. You know, you got to do a lot of testing and stuff. Like so that. like a civil engineer would be the people who figure out, I always think of when all the rains come and these houses that are perched on the side of the hill. And I always think, are they just going to go falling like literally down into that? Yeah. Canyon? Right. As a civil engineer, yes. the one who says, yes, yes it's, yes. yes. It's so it's gonna, a combination yeah. of everything. It's a combination of a civil engineer okay. and a combination of a geotechnical engineer. And there's another engineer, a geological engineer. And so they're and that's all, different from a geologist. Uh, so a geologist is different than a geotech than a, a geological ge- engineer. engineer. Okay. Right. And they all have an engineering background, but they have special specialized um, fields. Somebody who's the kind of a specialist on deep soil, and the other one's on subsurface soil. Um, so all those people are involved in analyzing whether that hillside is stable or not. Um, and believe it or not, all that, all that analysis needs to get submitted to the city. Totally. So yeah, this is like fascinating. So, yeah. yeah, I know. So on the city side, I have an actually geologist, um, an engineering geologist to review other en- engineering geologists work to make sure that they've done everything correctly. Right. Um, so that's what we have on the city st- staff side. We hire a lot of these engineers because they got to check everybody else's work. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what they kind of focus. That's what the city side focuses on. So for me, when I, when I eventually graduated f- with a degree in engineering, 
Um, this is kind of pre-internet days, right? So, <laughs> I have been joking about this. I think for like the last however many. So you got off the phone book. Yeah, <laughs> you start like going that's, through. That's I mean, that's what I'm it. saying at business school. I said, well, you know, when we used to go for business school. I think they literally like said, "Here's a phone book. Good luck." And, I mean, and, it's ridiculous. Like, and believe it or not, so the way now. I got it was somebody gave somebody a business card and said, this person is looking for somebody. And that business card got passed down two more times and eventually got to me over a length, say, of a month. Right. And I got this kind of bent, dirty business card. <laughs> With the, like nubs out of it. Yeah. yeah a couple of coffee stains Right. It's it. like, yeah. you know, this individual. With no website on it, by the way. <laughs> there was no website or email address <laughs> oh, for no. the individual. It was a okay. phone number, a name, and an address. So I, cold, I called, and it was your standard old-fashioned uh, voicemail. Uh, not voicemail. Um, answering system, you know, with the, you could tell us the tape. And then that gentleman actually called me back and he goes, Hey, you want to come in for an interview? I was like, okay. And sure enough, wait a minute. Yeah. This isn't, you're not like in the career office, you know, no. talking to them a bunch no. of times and this going is through all co- the routes. Completely cold call. Wow. Okay. Cold call. And I leaving me, a, uh, leaving a voicemail message going, Hey, I heard you're looking for like, was he a, like a man with a van? Like, is he a one-stop shop? Like a one? No, actually it was a, from a firm. What? Yeah. Okay, this is awesome. Yeah, it was okay. actually an actual engineering firm. Okay. Maybe you had, maybe at the time, maybe 100 employees at the time. Yeah. And, and, That's crazy. Yeah, and just it was, a, it was a company I didn't know existed. It was up in the city of industry. They had an office up there, and I just called this gentleman, Steve, the nicest man you ever met. And he's just like, hey, you know, call me back. Do you want to come in for an interview? And I was like, sure. So I go in for an interview, then a second interview, and sure enough, he makes me an offer. So what does he offer to, for you to do what? So What's your job? yeah, it, that's a good good question. What is the job? So this firm, believe it or not, um, they're consultants to cities, right? Cities hire a lot of consulting firms to help them design the road, to help them oh, with yeah. everything, right? Right? They don't have all the expertise, they don't have all the knowledge base or the resources. Yeah. You got to farm out. You got to contract out everything, or not everything, but most things. So this um, firm's focus was assisting and helping and being the consultant to multiple different local agencies. So what I got hired in as I got hired as a building plan checker. So that means I'm the guy who's going to learn the building code and look at the set of plans like you're trying to figure out totally. too. And I don't know the building code. Yeah. And, and look at the plans <laughs> and the calculations and say, does this meet the code that's in, that's been adopted by that agency, by that, by that city. And so that's what I did. I sat at a So desk. the code is like, it, like, Okay, the building can't be more than, you know, 35 feet tall, right? It can't be more than yeah. 10 feet. There has to be at least 10 feet right. from the sidewalk. It has like that kind of and stuff, then, right? And then a little bit more complex stuff. You know, if you build a restaurant, how many exits does that restaurant need? Where are the exit signs going to be placed? Um, nowadays, you have a lot of ADA standards. ADA, yep. And you got to meet restrooms, the exit, restrooms, yeah, for sure. The, the emergency exits, right, everything. Right. Interesting. Um, um, same thing. Does it fire sprinkler? Is there a fire alarm system? So all those start to play into the design of the building. So you have the architectural stuff, which is the the exiting, the stairway width, the handrail height, and then you have the structural side of it. Is was that the structure designed according to code? And so both of those things you're doing in this job. In that job? In that job, yeah. yeah. Wow. So eventually, after you start learning the basics, you get more and more advanced and in getting involved with bigger projects. So by getting more advanced, you're getting more um, 
familiarity with the building code? Like how? Right. You, like is that right. how you get more experience? More, 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 ex- more experience with the building code, understanding the bill, uh, understanding what the code has, and you have even very complicated projects that come to you. You know, when you start talking about mixed use projects, you have a commercial office in a residential building. You know, there's fire separations that need to be looked at and adhered to. Oh, okay. So like, right. So there's like the restaurant, the dry cleaners, and all that stuff downstairs, and then upstairs right. there's condos. Or yeah, whatever. the residential condos. Okay, right? and maybe some office suites and all that kind of so stuff. So there's yeah. different rules. The different code requirements apply to different portions of the building. So all that gets more and more complex. Who makes this code? Um, it's, a bo- it's a national body. There's a national body of people like myself that volunteer their time to go in, and, and it goes through committees. I see. Uh, and they're voted upon. The codes are voted. And the co- but the codes are voted by experts. Codes are voted with people with expertise. I feel better now. Yeah. yeah it's, not just, it's not just random people writing. <laughs> or people voting. No. You know, don't send it to us. Yeah, yeah. Do you think this is a good idea? Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and so there, and the same time, too, every time there's a big earthquake in the nation, they go back and rewrite the code to make the codes right. a little bit more stronger. And that's all the retrofit work. Right. And, and so else. after the Northridge earthquake, that was a big earthquake for everybody here in, in L.A. County. They realized the codes were inadequate. And so they had to go back and rewrite the codes and make some um, additional tweaks. And so all that eventually gets passed down to city staff and city staff needs to learn all this stuff. And that's what I did. I the was the new code. Right. right. Of, the, of the updates to the new code. You got to figure out all the, the changes to the code. Okay. Hang on a second. Is that a class in college? Is there no. like how to interpret code? And no. Put, why not? No. That's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, because that to me, because you're right. The stereotype for engineers is like, oh, they don't know how to write. They don't know how to talk to people. You know, it's like they can go and I think, and I do that's, math and all that's that. A big, that's a big topic of discussion is, you know, are the universities focusing on what the industry needs? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, think I we, could, we could blanket that for all of education. But right. Yes. And I think there's a, there's a big gap of, of just coming out of college with skills that are usable. Um, most time it's just, you know, it's, you, you learn theory in it and just, I mean, a lot more theory, but man, we didn't learn anything about building code and at the right. university. I would think level. that should be a class. Here's the building code. Here's the, uh, this, well, maybe, maybe you do this in advanced classes, right? In like graduate school or something, but why that doesn't make any sense yeah. when you're getting this job out, right? right. It should be like, here's right. a building code. Here's a projected, you know, perspective project and go to it. You or know, or even, together. you know, the, the amount of emails that we use nowadays and knowing how to write, you know, I think there's yeah. a little bit, should be a little bit more um, attention just to learning how to write and how to correspond with people um, at the university level, which right. you know, at, at like, my time there wasn't at right. all. And I don't think that's actually really, I like to tell people too, kind of where to fill in their gaps, Yeah, you know? So if you're thinking like you love science and engineering and math and you want to like figure out how to not have these rock fall on this house or whatever it is like, you know, I mean, communications, I've talked about it here before. Like there's great offerings in communications departments, right? There's other ways that you can kind of fill in these gaps to make yourself more marketable, you know, out there in the field. And, and I I cannot tell you how many hundreds of PowerPoints that we do each year and how important it is to actually do that. No, the scale. Yeah, you have to know how to do a power, put a PowerPoint together. Luckily, my kids, you know, they're actually doing slideshows. Yeah, you know, they're on like Google slides or something. Like, yeah. yeah, so they're they're figuring that out now. But um, today, what we do because you have to communicate um, a subject matter to your commissions or boards or councils. So we do that through not just the staff report that we write, but we do it through the PowerPoints. And we have to do this visual demonstration or visual yep. presentation so people can understand what the subject of the staff report was. So fortunately, I, I kind of taught myself over the years how to do a PowerPoint. But today, it's it you have to know how to use a PowerPoint or some type of uh, presentation system software okay, to do that. That's really helpful too. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. So anyway, so, so for with my 
the, my first job, I was the consultant to cities. And so we had client cities and I would either do work at my office or actually go to the client cities. Um, and then from there, wait, this is nice. Okay. So just, I also like to get people environmentally, what are you doing? So you show up, you can work in your office, like by yourself and get kind of your like tactical work done, like your equations or whatever you're doing math wise. Right. And then you get then you go get to go out in the field and like interact with people, right? And, you know, have that balance, right? Okay. Right. And so, since we had client cities, sometimes the assignment was to go to the city and assist the city with with working with the public. And so that that's something I haven't covered is the amount of public interaction I have. Yeah, you've got to be a you have to be a front line person. Yes, exactly. That's you have really to be, important. You have to be able to work with the public and present yourself. Present yourself. Present the whatever you know. You're like you said, your powerpoints, that kind of stuff. But be in front of people. Be communicating yeah, constantly. It's, it's, you're not going to be successful without that. No, you, Would you say that that's true across, like even your staff working for a city government? Oh, for, 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 for the government, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. This is really important. You're not going to, you're not going to hide uh, behind an office uh, mm-hmm. or behind a desk and think you, you could, you could avoid the public interaction. Okay. No way. You, we, we are, it's a public agency. It's a regulatory agency, but our primary focus is customer service. Right. We have to provide a high level of customer service. That's really, really important because if we don't, we fall back to that stereotype, that stigma of just government bureaucracy. Yeah. And right? you're in our way and you work for us. Right. And how is that right? Right. And yeah. there's, and when you, when you're investing a billion dollars in the community, you want your government agency to be responsive. So if people call you and you know return their like phone calls, really responsive, right? And if people are an- <laughs> yeah. if if people send you emails, respond to them, mm-hmm. right? Because they need answers so they, so they they can make decisions so they can invest their money in your community. Um, so we have to provide this exceptionally high level of service. And you know, with the city of Newport Beach, there's a high standard in Newport Beach, completely, right? So we have to continue to hit that bar, excel at that bar, and we do that by training our staff by establishing performance metrics. Um, so we do a lot of things. Like what? Like um, uh, how friendly was your call today kind of surveys or like how, like what kind of metrics? Yeah, we actually do. We do a lot of surveys. Um, we try to survey the community with written surveys. We have online surveys. We do um, some of the, we have to ensure that we're getting the work done. So that's the other level of customer service. So it's not just answering emails and answering the phone, but if they give us a set of plans like you do, you're doing for the HOA okay. and we have to review it, how long is it taking us for us to review it and getting it back to the applicant? So we track the number of days. So that's one of our performance metrics. And so we have certain, certain thresholds that we're trying to hit. We have goals that we have to meet. Okay. This is, I think this is really valuable for people to know. Yeah. So if I'm thinking of becoming an engineer, I think even even in today's day, you would say, like, make sure that you know how to present. Make sure that you – because that, you're just going to you handicap yourself if you if you don't, right? That's that's one of the biggest things because um, we interview a huge amount of staff because right now there, there's there's hard to find qualified staff. It's hard to find – Why is that? Um, something happened during the after the recession. Um, there was – you know, a lot of people retired, got oh, out of the business, okay. right? Um, a lot of individuals went back and just changed their careers to something else. So, and right now our, our, our economy is expanding. The economy is doing very well. Um, and people who are good have jobs. I see. Right. If you're good, you're, you're going yeah. to get a job. Yep. And so for a city agency to attract new hires, to attract new people, it's gotten harder and harder and harder. And we do everything we can to find those special people out there to, to hire them. And so we, I've interviewed maybe, I don't know how many in my career, you know, probably hundreds in my career. It's interesting. There's a lot of people that don't know how to do an, a job interview. Well, there we go. Yeah. They don't know. How, how do they do it? Okay. So let, tell me, how do you, how do I do a good job interview with you? 
you know, what you need to do is when, when I'm asking you to tell me about yourself, I'm asking you to talk. I want you to explain and talk and tell me, tell me the story about you. Just like you're doing with me today, you know, trying to go back in my background. That's the whole idea of the interview. I just want to know more, more about you. I don't have any predisposition on you as an individual. I don't know anything about you. I could read your resume, but I'll fall asleep if I read your resume. Right. You know, I want and, you to talk. And I have that yeah. later. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, I, so if, if, you've, if you said, if I said, okay, so tell me about yourself, what would you say? Like if I said, oh, so here we are in some kind of an interview. Oh, I'm on an interview? And then, well, it's just kind of just to give people an idea. And I'm like, okay, because, uh, because this has come up in other, other, with other episodes with other guests who say, you know, it's good to know. And I always tell people, like, have an elevator speech. Like, have your, you know, have your two minutes of, yeah. like, tell me about yourself. Or, you know, because what they're saying, at least what I'm saying when I ask that question is, who are you? Who are you outside of what I can get on this, you know, glossy little piece of paper that you handed me? Who are you? Are you, you know, are you the person who's going to, you know, stay late because you really want to get this stuff done? Are you the person who's going to give the best presentation I've ever seen? Are you the person who's going to make this um, environment amazing for everyone? Like, I don't know that until you start talking. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? I, 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 so for me, I want to know that this individual is happy to work with the public, right? We're a public agency, that's right? That's important, yeah. You know, if you are an individual that's been hiding behind their desk, desk for the last 15 years, that's probably not an individual I, I, I want to hire. I don't think it's the right fit for, fit for our organization. So I need to know that you want to engage, you want to help, you want to serve the public. And it truly is. It's a service-oriented business. I'm assuming you know all your technical stuff, right? Because you have gone through the, our complex HR review process. And I see. You've okay, already that's been already vetted. front-loaded. Yeah, okay. you've already been vetted. Now you're at the high level of getting an interview with the director. You know, can you talk? Can you present yourself well? Can you sit up straight and look at me in the eye and answer, your, answer the questions that, I, that I'm asking of you? And again, it, I'm asking just general questions. And you're softball. Tell me about you, yeah. right? Because the more they talk, the more things will start coming out. Then I could probe a little bit deeper and deeper. It's like, oh, okay, well, to tell me about those board meetings that you attended and how do you prepare for those board meetings? You know, what, what is your role in those board meetings, right? I want to know that you've been through the thick and thin of, of dealing with a lot of pressure all at once, you know? Oh, yeah. Are you, are you an organized individual? Um, are you somebody who melts down in a time of crisis or are you somebody that's going to rise to the occasion? Those are some of the things that I'm looking for, for an individual. This is really helpful. Do you interview, what level are you interviewing? Are you interviewing people who are, you know, five, 10 years of experience? Are you interviewing people who just out of undergrad? Do you ever like what level so, uh, I, so do you get involved right in? now at my position now I'm, I'm, um, I'm in the process right now of an, an interviewing for my executive assistant. So I'm interviewing some people mostly with at least 10 years of experience, yeah. but, but you know, through my career, I've interviewed anybody from new graduates straight out of, um, the university level, um, with a little, a few years of experience. So I've, I've done all the interviews and yeah. it just depends on where you, where are you at? Um, what's the position type and what's the position that we're looking for? Cause this is interesting too, if, about the work that you do, because I'm thinking, okay, if I go and I get an undergrad as an engineer and then I end up having an engineer job, I, I forget to think that I could be essentially a CEO. Like you're in a CEO yeah. level, like, like job. 
that's, and that's, that's a really, what you are. That's right? a really good perspective. That's a really good perspective. And, and people don't think like that. They don't think it's like, okay, I got this kind of grunt level position and they don't look at 10, 15, 20 years that, you know, I'm going to be in management here and how do I get prepared to be kind of that, the leader? Yeah. How, do, how do I get build up leadership skills to right. be a leader of an organization? Um, and of course, they don't teach you any of that no. in at the university <laughs> level. None of that. All that is just you know just being in the workforce and just getting the experience. Yeah, and doing it on your own, which is why I think that's it's so interesting. So as your that first job when you start going out into these different cities, would you say like that's where you're getting this idea that you could continue this for your career? Like this, it, like you can keep doing this type of work. Yeah, you know, it, what was I thinking back then? Gosh, um, <laughs> what am I going to have for dinner? Pizza or pasta? I know, right? or going out with the buddies <laughs> and going out and partying. I think, I think at, back then, at the time, what the way I sold myself was getting all that experience with the public. Yeah, that's what right? I would think that you would use that and it yeah. just try, kind of give a note to people listening. Like that's you know, and, and and I think one thing too is that if I had. For me, fortunately, I had a lot of different client cities, so I had this broad experience working in different areas on different subject matters. So, and connections. Too, yeah. Right? So, so my knowledge base grew exponentially of everything around me. Um, so I wasn't pigeonholed to do just do one thing. Right. And I think that's important. It's, it's important to get that experience, um, and and to do that, you got to take some risk. Yeah. And so for me, after three years of being in the private sector, one of the government agencies said, hey, if we create a position for you, are you interested in applying? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, how much are you going to pay? And if they threw this ridiculous number at the time. Totally. Where I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I took that risk. Well, create a position just for you, though. Yeah. Like they wanted you to do something. Right. They probably had something that needed to be done if they were going to create it. Yeah. They, they, they were going to they were gonna hire, start hiring people and they wanted me to come on board and kind of you know start building up a team. Um, to do so exactly, now you're a manager. Yeah, yeah. Exit, to, right? to, to do that exactly what I, what um, what I was already doing, frankly, and they're going to pay me more to do it. I was like, hey, that's great. Sounds good. Um, and then from there, I just I would take a little bit more risk and apply for positions that maybe was out of my range, uh, maybe I wasn't ready for. But you know, you do it enough times, sometimes you land it. And so, right. and that's what I did. And so by the time I was 30 years old, I was already a manager right. of, of a shop of maybe 10, 15 employees. Um, and I would be the- How old are your employees? Oh, I was the youngest in the team. For sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no. They're, wow. they're all in the, I'm, I hear I'm 30 and now they're all in their 50s. Yeah. Right. So okay. I'm the youngest in the team. And again, and it was, I got it because of, I knew how to interview well. I knew how to present. talk and present yeah. and communicate. Um, and I took some risks in my career and it worked out. Um, so, and this agency hired me and, you know, they rolled the dice too. They didn't know what they were getting, but they thought I was smart enough to kind of pull it off. Um, and then from there, just working for that um, new agency, I would, I would always volunteer for everything. If there was a subject matter that, you know, it's like no one knows how to deal with this, I would raise my hand and just do it just because I knew I could learn from it. Right. Totally, completely. Right. Yeah. You know, enough- so you're obviously not afraid to no. fail, <laughs> not afraid to look bad in front of people no. or whatever. No, that's not at all. really important. Not at all. So I was always the one to raise my hand for whatever special project or special program that the, this government agency needed. Um, and, and it got noticed. It got noticed. And I would get... Was anyone else raising their hand and you were beating them out or were you just like the one and they're like, oh yeah, give it to me. I don't think, I don't don't think there was a lot of competition. You know, I think when you, when you deal with an, when you work 
in an older when it when the workforce is an older you know everybody's kind of like you know i got a couple of years before i retire why, exactly. why would i want to take any more risks and when you're young you could afford to take risks and have setbacks so i took those risks i raised my hand for almost every opportunity not because i i knew i could do it but i said this is going to be a learning experience this is something and i don't know you're getting know paid anything. you might as well be learning right as you're getting paid right. we talk about this a lot on this podcast you know if you can find someone to pay you for you to learn great that's that's awesome, and I, and I think <laughs> the that's thing you can that do. is the most important thing. The more you can learn, the better off you are. Completely. Um, and so for me, I kept raising my hand to do other projects so I could learn from it. And you know that resume starts to build and build and grow. And for me, that's been probably the most important thing is to take those little risks, to raise your hand, to volunteer, and to kind of get the experience that you won't get from just going to school. Right. You know, and I think that's that's really really important. So after working there for a while, I thought I knew everything. And guess how old are you? So now you're 35. Oh yeah. Of course you, of course you do. Um, yes. I'm, you I'm definitely know everything. I'm 35, yes. 36. Between so I, 25 and 30. And I was like, I'm you, know sure what? you know everything. And I, now I wanted to go out and start my own business, start my own company. And I did. Whoa. Yeah. So, and that was, well, had this been an aspiration for a while? Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. So you kind of thought like, yeah. what if, all right. Right. Had right. you prepared for this? Um, not, not, not the way I should have. Done. In your head, you're prepared. Yeah, in okay. my head, I thought I can I can pull it off. And but I want, in terms I, of like, had you gone and taken some entrepreneur classes, some business classes, um, make sure I you know no, all that I, stuff. you know because I, I worked in government for so long that I knew the process of getting that's projects, true. It's different. Yeah, projects approved and entitled. And so what I wanted to do is go out and do real estate. I wanted to go out and start doing development, right? I wanted to be the developer on the other side, on the private sector side. Oh, talking to the cities right, and all that. Okay. Right. Um, so you would have the firm. Okay, so let me understand this. So you you would have a firm that would be essentially be an engineering firm? It, it would be a real estate development company. Okay, and what would be involved in that? What, what's under the umbrella of a real estate development so company? So a real estate company would um, buy the land mm-hmm. and get the approvals from the city to build the project that the land was designed for. And you would also build right. under your umbrella would right. be the contractors so, so and we can, all that too. So typically you can go one or two ways. The developer can actually build the project or the developer says, I got the approvals from the city. I'm going to have somebody else build the project. So in, in our particular case, I had a, a business partner, found a business partner. We teamed up to do it. Well, we're going to do everything. What was your business partner's background? Was um, in, in land development. Okay. So in the development industry too. So um, we went out and started this real estate company and it went really well for the first few years. Now you get into the um, 2008 crash, right? And that's, yes. and that's where everything starts to fall apart. You know, things start to slow down. You know, the, the, the stock market uh, took a tank and now we start to get into the great recession and what happens with with real estate development you need unless you're really you have a lot of cash behind you you have to rely on banks for the most part unless you can get other partners other sponsors you have to rely on banks but when banks during the recession they start to tighten up they're not giving they the, don't have the money either they don't have them flowing in yeah right. or the banks are getting taken over by the feds Completely. and they're shutting down the credit and yep. so that's what starts to hurt real estate development so that's what started hurting me for a while. You know, at some point it became where the banks are not lending at all. Right. You know, they're taking. Well, I think zero it's risk. all like it's on the other side, right? No one's buying those things that you're developing, yeah. and then it's like this oh, trickle yeah. effect. Yeah, right? and the real estate market crash. Yeah. I mean, it was probably the worst ever for our generation. Completely. You know, it yes. was it was really that bad. And so at that time, you know, I had 
huge amount of experience just being in, in the real estate business, in the private sector business, being on the other side, dealing with the lending, the finance, dealing with the legal side of things. Um, again, you know, I took a risk and I learned a huge amount from it. But with the recession, you know, you, you got to make certain decisions. You, you got to eventually start making a living, a, a right. better living. Yeah, exactly. So at the time, I, since I had the public sector experience, I decided, okay, let me see if there's opportunities back in the public sector. And hence, how long were you in the real estate development side before the the market? Oh, I was there for five years. Okay, so let me just stop there for yeah. a second because I'm going to have someone who says, like, if I want to be a real estate developer, how do I do this? So, would you say in that real in that experience that you had? Because you could always go, you could figure out how to do that again when you're like 70. You right, say, right. Go. That's what I told my wife. You know, I, totally. I know what my hobby is going to be after exactly. I retire. Because it's kind of fun and interesting, <laughs> yeah, I think. It is. Because it, it, like, that's why I was asking what's under the umbrella because it blends kind of all these cool things. And for someone like me as a business person, I'm like, oh, the financing, all that stuff is yeah. really interesting. So in terms of the background that you had, do you think that you were well pre- prepared to be a uh, real estate developer? Is that a background that someone could pursue if they wanted to get into real estate development? The background that I have currently? Um, that you had going up to that. Oh, like yeah. You, you know, being an engineer even, and then rather than a, a business person, rather than in marketing, rather than stuff like that, you know, being an engineer and then having all the civil experience I, I working think, with, indist- uh, with yeah. you know, governments, that kind of stuff. I think, I think it is um, incredibly valuable, that, that whole knowledge base of engineering side and then working in the, go- of in the public sector and understanding planning, zoning, entitlement, um, environmental reviews. You know, all that ties into real estate development. Real estate development is most, probably the most highly regulated type of industry to be in. Everything you do for a real estate project is regulated. Right. You know, with some type of agency, either it's the city agency or the state agency. There's an agency that's going to regulate you. And so understanding what those regulations are is going to be really valuable. This is super helpful. Yeah, it is. Because I think, I think as a layperson that we're under the impression that real estate development is just like... Oh, it's just for these people who have like tons of cash and they just go out and buy buildings and or buy land and like, you know, put up a building. And, and that's that, rare. I think right? that's, that's, that's I, more rare than people realize. I, that's what I think. You know, like, it now is, that you're talking about it, it is, I'm like, oh, this is not at all what that's that not is. The no, that's not the normal process. It's, it really isn't. It is probably the one, real estate development is probably the most highly regulated type of industry to be in. Just because from an environmental standpoint and from the regulatory standpoint of the local agency, you know, th- there are some the way it works, land is zoned for a certain use, right? And sometimes those uses become out of date. And maybe a city won't change the zone of it. A developer will have to come in and apply to the city to change the like zone. Like all the gentrification movement yeah. and that kind of stuff, right? Right. Where it's like it was all commercial down there. And they're like, we want to put lofts and we want to make right. like re, you know, right. re-gentrify this whole area. And, and That's may, very cool. And there may be support from the city council to do it. But maybe you have neighbors in the area that don't want that to happen. Right. They don't want more housing. They want they want because they they fear traffic impacts. They fear environmental impacts against them. So there's a lot of issues that go into the city planning process, right? And understanding that, understanding planning is by far one of the most important things you can do to be ready to get into the development world, the development industry. That's and really I, and important. I, and I tell people, if you ever want to get into real estate, and I've had a lot of people want to get into the real estate business, I say, baby steps, go small. Don't try to hit for the fences. Don't try to aim for the skies. Not yet. You know, you, you got to get your feet wet. You know, you got to do maybe a little house project. Well, you know, buy a house, remodel it, and try to sell that. And that, that gets you the understanding of how it works. Dealing with the local agency, trying to get those permits. 
eventually from there you can build upon that and do bigger and bigger projects where you're doing you know acres of land out in the desert area trying to get entitlements from the city so there's so much that goes into it you know a developer needs to figure out how is it how's this project compatible with the neighborhood how are you going to provide all the utility service what if you don't have enough water? What if Edison can't provide the power to serve your large-scale project? You know, so, Completely. so all this goes. But what into is that. it about your personality, though? I want to also I want to circle in here okay. so people understand. What is it about your personality that makes that work accessible to you? Because that to me sounds very technical. Okay, so I have to be like five people, right? So I have to be someone who understands all the the tech part of it, the the engineering part of yeah. it. And then I have to be like the legal person, right? So I have to understand like all the codes and the zones and all. And then I have to be the PR person. So it goes back right? to when I said I volunteered for everything. Right. That's that's where it started to, that's where I started learning. That's where it started paying off because I volunteered for so many different th- assignments or projects in the, in the government agency or even any job that I had that I was learning everything. I Are was, you just ambitious? Are you that kid in school who like always wants extra credit? Who like who no, are you in yeah, that space? Yeah, right? no, no. I, I was the one that always was um, fearless. That said, let me try. Let me try. And I wasn't like fearless. Like, I'm going to go skydiving without a parachute. Right. Exactly. I, I like was the, tempered. Yeah, risk. I was the individual that said, let me just try. Right. Because if I try, the worst that could happen, I could, I could, I'll fail, but I'll learn something from it. And if, not, if I don't fail, that means I'll succeed, and that's a huge win. So I, I always told myself just to, just to try, just try. And that, that was always my inner voice, just try for it. Just go for it. Right. You know, what's the worst that can happen? And I, and I carry that through everything. Such a great gift. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it's I do. Like a great gift I'm, to I'm, give to yourself. Yeah, I'm not the individual that would like, no, I don't think I'm going to do oh, that. No. Because, what if, they, that, what if yeah. I don't? I'm not good enough? Because if you keep asking yourself you're not good enough, you're, not, you're never going to know. But it's also, I think it's a certain personality that, Interesting, yeah. that has this, right? That can, that and can, for me, it wasn't that, you know, I always knew that I wasn't good enough. I, I know I'm not, I'm not the, I was never the, the sports jock, you know, every time, even if I play, yeah, right, I like, I'm amazing and I'm going to be amazing right. until I'm 25 no. and then I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I know I was just you're kind of your average person. So I was like, well, how do I stand out? How do I get better at what I do so I can have a successful future? You know, I just keep pushing myself. That's right. all I did, yeah. you know, take calculated risks. You know, of course, not jump out of an airplane, but, you know, j- try to take those risks that are going to pay off. They're going to push you, you too, know? because everyone else is scared also, by yeah, the way. Right. I think that's the, that's the rub on yeah. this too, right? You're thinking like, oh, I don't know. I can't do that. I'd just be blah, 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 whatever. But you have to grow into that person. Yeah. You want to be, you know, in your position. You don't get there by not taking risks. Well, it's interesting. I, I was interviewed in, in 2000 when I first got this job with a government agency and it was by the local paper. They wanted to interview me and kind of the same similar question, you know, what, what drives you? And, and for me and what I told her, and I still believe it, you know, don't be afraid of anything, you know, keep pushing yourself. Don't look at it as fear that you can't do it. If it's, if you get nervous, that's a good thing. You know, you got to push yourself through it and get to the other side. And eventually it starts paying off. Now for me, I'm approaching 50, you know, I want to start looking at, okay, what, how do I make sure that I have a stable future? Because, you know, I do want to retire in the next 10 years. Right. You know, I want to have a stable future, you know, so I'm not looking to go ahead and start a new company now. I'm going to wait till I retire and then I'll go and figure out what my hobby is going to be. Right. But I'm still trying to push myself, still trying to take those risks and try to learn and expand my, my knowledge base. And that's worked out pretty well for me. Because you get to learn a lot all day long, you know, in, oh, your, constantly. in your job. Constantly. I think that's really a, a very interesting aspect about your work that I wouldn't have thought of, yeah. really. I would have thought of it as more, um, like, almost lawyerly, right? So here comes in the, the plans. I got a guess no, maybe, but not like, 
what do you want to do? Why do you want to do this? How do you want to do it? Why did you make this choice? Why did you make this choice? Or, you know, any of that kind of yeah. stuff. Just yeah. a lot of give and take and, you know, tell me more kind of stuff. And, and nowadays, um, as, as I said before, what I do the most now is I write a lot and I work with the community and the public a lot. And if you go back to my career th- 25, 30 years ago, I never thought I'd be somebody who'd be talking to the public all the time. I thought I'd be just an engineer behind my desk, right. working on, you know, Do, doing the calculations yeah. that the boss gave me. That's right. Like, get these done right. By because news. I love math. You know? <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Nowadays it's like, I don't do any math, right? Just because I'm the director of the department, I have to make sure that my staff is performing. We do performance evaluations. Um, we deal with personnel items. Um, I work directly with the city officials, the, the electeds. You know, the, the mayor, we, we meet on a, on a weekly basis. To, oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, and so I got to be ready when I meet, sit down with the yeah, mayor. Yeah, that's really interesting. Right? I, I wouldn't have even I, thought about that. Yeah. So, so like silly on my part, but yeah, that's, that is interesting. Yeah. Right. So, so there's, the, I, you know, and you have to be able to hold a conversation and explain things in, in simplistic terms because the electives don't have the knowledge base that staff has. No. Right. And they're generalists. I mean, in this they position, are. they're generalists, they right? And, you know? and for some of them are, if they're newly elected, it's hard for them to understand, oh, there are, there are regulations that go and with it. we have, like you said, the waterways and yeah. there's so many aspects in, to in, this. In the state of state. California, I think is, and this is my own personal opinion, it's gotten to the, it's, it's so extreme with the amount of laws that they pass constantly, right? I mean, you constantly. just, you just can't, you just constantly. can't keep up with it. No, right. And, and so that, that's, that's kind of the, the challenge that we have. And, and for, from a city official, it's like, you know, I, I can't even deal with the stuff I, uh, the laws you passed yesterday. Now you got new laws today, and I got new laws coming tomorrow. And I, I like, have to go see which laws you took out, like which laws not yeah, supersede. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that's that's the constant challenge. So yeah. for for me, my my day to day is writing. My day to day is communicating, speaking to people, managing, um, managing all the time. Okay, all the time, yeah. and and trying to find new talent. You know, and that's gotten a lot harder to find. What you, in terms of networking and just being out there, or just looking through resumes and what kinds it's, of stuff? It's it's all that? of the above. Yeah, okay. it is all of the above. Because that's part of your job is right. making sure that you have a good core of people. It is. Right? It is. So, okay. and, and here's a quick story. Um, I had a, a handyman do some work in my house. This this individual was incredible. The level of customer service and the, the attention to detail and his code knowledge, and I was like what do you want to be when I mean, you want to be doing this in the next five, 10 years? He's like, no, you know, some days I like to go work for a government agency. Maybe I want to be an inspector. And I was like, Oh, well, tomorrow, if do you want to be, a yeah, tomorrow, exactly. Today, so, so we encouraged him to apply the next time when there was an opening at the city and his name is Steve and Steve has turned out probably to be the best building inspector I've met in my career. He's just incredible just awesome because story. his attention to work with the, the residents, the property owners, to explain things to people, to attention to detail, to be, have work ethics, yes. you know, show up right. to work on time, do your job and fill out the proper. Be pleasant. Yeah, be pleasant. So he's worked out really, really well. So those are those things that I'm constantly looking for with individuals. Like, you know, if I could find somebody who has that right fit for the organization, um, we try to bring them on board. But, you know, going back to my love of math and science, I don't do that nowadays. None of it. None of it. And and my my love for math and science, my hatred towards writing, (laughs) it's now completely reversed. What I do now is mostly the- Embrace it, right? Yeah. It's mostly the English and the writing. And I review. So my staff's writing. Yeah. And I got to go through it and update that. And um, last night we did a, um, there was a town hall down in Corona Del Mar. And so I was one of the guest speakers. And Oh, cool. What were you talking about? 
how did I miss this? I, I, yeah, there's I there's a few subjects matter, but it, it's interesting. You know, now now I'm approaching fifty and getting up in front of an audience of two hundred people and feeling comfortable doing it and talking to people. Right, right. I couldn't do that thirty years ago. Right, that's right. important too. Yeah. I try to let people know that also as you're going through your career, you are not who are you who you are going to be. Don't no. be but hard on yourself because you're not who you're going to be yet. You're exactly. getting, you will get there. And the whole point is like you're saying, taking these risks and all that. Cause even that, I mean, like if I had to go to have a technical talk, cause you have to say specific things. They're expecting certain things to be said. Right. And, and they want, they, and they have questions. They have hard questions. Group. Yeah. They have hard and questions. And savvy. Right? Yes. These are like knowledgeable oh, yeah, yeah. Right, people. Right, They're right, not like, oh, right. I don't know anything you know, about the, this. The, the, any community, I always say that they are um, engaged they're savvy and they're knowledgeable. Yeah. And so you cannot take, you, you can't take it for granted that you can just do your job without being questioned. And you have to be prepared for it. You always have to have the right answer. You have to have an answer for everybody. Right. So, um, so nowadays, I mean, that's, that's where I spend my time. I spend my time talking to people and, and working with them and trying to find solutions to things. Right. You know, government is hard. The regula- regulations in California are hard. So my job is to figure out how to get things done. Right, because if we don't, then there's no development in a community. There's no build out in a community. So that's where I f- spent. And then people start getting grumpy and angry. And yeah, but it, I don't because think- I think that's you know, if you kind of follow local politics, you see like that there's times when that hasn't maybe been the wheels haven't been greased right. over there, right? Yeah. And so people are getting a little uh, uh, agitated, and that slows down like everything. <laughs> yeah, and for and for any community. You know, eventually, you you know, the, eventually the the properties need to recycle. Yes. You know, that's where and, we are, right? Exactly. And and, and, and things do uses do change on properties. They don't stay stagnant. Um, so that's that's another discussion from city city planning standpoint. You know, right. What do you do with some of these older land uses that, you know, that old motel that's been there for fifty years and then they didn't do any upgrades to it. You know, is do it- you are you the people who go out and um, like uh, like the Lido House for instance, right? So like that's a a project that I think was one of these kind of like usage things that the yeah, the city yeah was that, like, that you was know what? We that need was something done here right? right that was this that was this department my department so and... you'd be proactive in that saying right. like, look you know we've identified that this what was it before I forget it was something that... it was city the old city hall the old city hall there you go there. exactly so just to give people an idea so you have an old city hall like you're saying like you know buildings need to be turned over you have a beautiful city hall now we're done with that right one. and then but, but what do we do with the land what do we do with this yeah we know yeah. and how does it benefit and the city the... of Newport Beach is not in the business of development no right? we're so not like we're not. To- Believe it or not, the city of Newport Beach owns a lot of real estate. I would imagine. Right. And so my department is the one that actually manages all that real estate. And so I have a real estate well, that's background. That's another whole like, oh, my like cubicle section, yeah. right? Yeah. There's, another, there's more staff that deals with that. Yeah. And fortunately, I got my real estate license too. I, had to get, I got a, a commercial broker's license when I was in the real estate development list, uh, business. And so that has, uh, again, learning something new that has completely. helped completely now. And so my department, we manage the real estate asset, the portfolio for the city of Newport Beach. Um, so that's been, that's really exciting too, to, to, to oversee that. Um, so that, that's what I do on a day, day-to-day business. So the best part. So I know that we're, we don't have all day with you, which is too bad because I could, I yeah. could seriously sit here and talk about this stuff all day long. And then we'd like devolve, like, go down and talk about, our oh, there's the, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll go and go. Keep um, so just a couple things, like as we're, you know, think I love your whole experience. I think this is oh, super incredible. Yeah. It's edifying for people just to see, you know, you don't just pop up and become a real estate developer. You don't just pop up and have one of these amazing government jobs. Right. And, you know, people, I, I have a lot of misconceptions about government jobs too. And I think it's important. So do I. For, right? <laughs> I think it's important for people to realize that there are experts. 
like there are like these are highly sought after positions it's not you know a lot of times we think even with elected officials and maybe they're qualified maybe they're not but here you have to be qualified like you, yeah. you cannot get these jobs no no a uh, oh my gosh it. it's it's as i said this is the hardest job i've had it really is um and people ask me well why is because there I, I don't make one widget i was gonna say it's not one thing it's not one thing not i close. have to i have to understand hundreds of different things that are occurring all at once plus keep up with all the emails and plus all the, the questions and then be nice about it right be pleasant you know i had one night meeting last night i have another night meeting tonight you know i, I get burned out too yeah you know, exactly. i, I want to sleep in completely you know? so it, it is it is demanding it's physically demanding mentally draining um but it's highly rewarding because you're making an impact to the community, a positive impact to the community, right? We make the city better. We make the town better. Um, there's more investment dollars that are coming into a community, right? And it all just trickles down through throughout. So um, it, it is it is a very challenging business, but you have to have that knowledge base. And it worked out for me because I always raised my hand. I always volunteered. Okay, so this is what I love about your story too. But you raised your hand, but you're just a good guy. I think you're just kind of like one of those like, likable guys. Yeah. So I think if people like, please recognize this in yourself. If you're thinking, oh, you know, I can, I would love to do that. Well, you better be that person. You better right. be the guy that kind of can get along with people. You know, not, I don't see you as being someone who gets their feathers ruffled very easily. You know, you're not proud. Not anymore, you're not no. like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, maybe before. But, um, but all those are aspects of what you're doing. So if you go back in your whole like life story in terms of how you got here one is would you ever expected have expected that you would be land in this job in this way doing this type of oh work? never 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 at all I, mean, I, I had going looking back like from get your pilot's license I mean, right there's you know, no way that 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 connects to this it's, thought. it's crazy it's crazy how it all ended up uh, being in, I, I ended up in this position but no absolutely not i mean i was getting a degree in engineering Thinking I was just going to go sit behind a desk and run numbers because I like numbers. Right. You know, that, that was pretty much the highlight of my thinking. You know, I wasn't thinking out of the box of like, you know, how I'm going to start my own company or, or getting to city planning or become a director of a, of a large department or organization. Um, so I, I never expected it at all. And it's interesting. It's just the, that, that road to get here. Those little bits of it, life experiences, I think it adds up. And so for me, it's always been about volunteering, not being afraid, pushing yourself and being a person of character. Mm. I think that is really, really important for individuals because it, it matters. You know, uh, any employer, whether it's government, private or, or government, uh, public or private, they don't want to hire people that are not people of character. They just don't. It's not worth it to it's them. It's not worth it. Yeah. Right. There's, it there's, can create a lot of problems. It does. It mm -hmm. does. You know, and that's why, you, you know, be careful what you post on social media, right? right? Just be careful any of that and just live a life of just being a, a good person. And I think it matters and it, and it, and it adds up And to, uh, yeah. to, today. You know, when we look for people and individuals to hire, you know, we want those individuals of character and it starts at an early age. You know, I don't want to hear about you bragging about your Vegas trip because that's not what we're looking for. That's not going to help us. Right. Right. So it, it, people of character really matter. It really does. And it adds up over time. That's especially important because we talk about so many different industries. So I think it's also important for people to find their people. Yes. You know, so it's like if you're that person, if you're a person of character and you have high integrity and it's very, it's value, it's one of your, you know, core values, you can't go into some of these indus other industries that are a little more flexible with that. That's a good point. Right. That's a really good like, point. This fits. Yes. Like, so if you're, you know, if you have an engineering background, maybe there's some self-selecting there too, that the, that they're a little, you know, character driven too, you know, but I mean, you got to line all these 
elements up. Yes. Right? No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, but, you know, everybody has a choice of which way they want to go. <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of cool, though, because I bet even at your, at your work, you probably have people surrounding you who are like-minded and like-valued. You know, similar values, similar, you know, ways of looking at the world, similar ways of treating people, all that kind of stuff, like adds up to that environment of where people want to land on for their career because you spend a lot of time at work. You know, you want to be able to be in like a happy, successful thing. So, okay, one more question. Sure. Just in going back over the whole story, if you were going to go in with your uh, erasable pen and erase uh, any like a little part of it and like write in something different on your life experience. Oh Is there somewhere you would have put down the erasable pen? Like maybe I'd erase this piece and put in that piece. Instead. You, know, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I question to this day, whether I, sh- I quit my job in public sector and start my company in development, whether that was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I question it because, be- and it's all because of the recession. Right. And if there wasn't a recession, Completely. I could say that was a great choice. <laughs> right. It's like buying a house. Should I buy this house? Any other, any yeah. other year, it would have been amazing. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think me going into development helped me get to where I am today. And that's what I've concluded. Just for, in terms of having the experience and the struggle also, or just I think that the it's the experience, the education of starting my own company. Yeah. Um, because in, in devel- real estate development, you start learning about financing. You know, and as an engineer, you don't really learn a lot about financing. So you learn about how to finance projects and all and, the different ways you can do that. Yeah. And interest rates and interest mm-hmm. reserves. And, you know, there, there's all that. It's an incredible field or which I actually started. I enjoyed more and more. So there's a lot that I learned from it. So if if the if it was successful, I'd be like, absolutely, it was a great decision. Since it wasn't successful and I had to change my career path and go back to the public sector, I question whether it was the right choice or not. But I always conclude back that I wouldn't be in this job, in this position, if I didn't go through that. Right. And, and whether – is that something that I would re- erase or not? I don't know. But that's where I think I would, I would take a second look. And I've always questioned it. I've always questioned that decision um, because I think my career – if I stayed in public sector, my career would have grown. Right. Right. And so did, did I lose those five years or did I – I'm sorry. Or did I gain? Yeah. Or did I gain? And so that's a big question mark for me. And I, and I, I don't know what the, the right answer is, but at the end of the day, I'm happy with what I'm doing now and you know, the position I'm in and the responsibilities I have. So it's, it all worked out. So I can't be, you know, right. Because I think even in that it's like, but if the recession isn't there, it might be a different trajectory and who knows what would have happened. I know Or if you don't learn those things, who knows what yeah. would have happened, but I appreciate it in just in terms of for people to understand how difficult it is and how different the skills are to have your own business. Oh, it is. Completely oh, it different is. Scope That's why I watch Shark Tank endlessly now. <laughs> you know, I'm always taking notes. You know. It's true, though. Right? It is. Just to understand. I mean, even, yeah, because they'll do like the back of the envelope math really quickly. Right. And if you've been in business school, everyone does back of envelope. Yeah. That's how we, yeah. We're trained to do that. Um, so I think it's really oh, helpful. And, and, and that's what I try to impress upon my staff, um, you know, that it is hard to be in business on your own, to start a new business. It's hard to do any of that. And as a government agency, we have to be supportive. We have to help. 
Um, and we have to be supportive of, of new businesses that are trying to open the little cafe that's, that's just trying to open up in right. Newport beach. Right. Right. How do we help them get their doors open? Um, because it's easy for us to say, well, you don't comply with all these regulations. It's hard for us to go back and say, well, these are the regulations that you need to focus on these that we can, we can find another way we can do that later. Right. And so that's why I try to help work with my staff on that's really is try to important. be proactive and be business friendly. Um, because it matters. It really, really does matter because California has gotten so extreme. It is hard to do anything in California. I feel like a lot of times these codes are, you know, when you go up to Santa Monica and you try to park and there's like the parking sign that says no parking on Saturday from 10 o'clock right. to nine o'clock, yeah. but you can park from nine o'clock to 10 o'clock yeah. at night. All these exceptions. You, <laughs> yeah. And there's like 16 signs there and you, you really have to like read everyone. To, and it's like, it's you know, whatever time in the right. afternoon, right? It's a 2 a.m. Can I park here? You know, can I park here for two yeah, minutes? Can I, I park here for two hours? I feel like it's the and same it's, experience. And as I tell people, I go, it's hard for staff right. to understand what the rules are. Yeah. So, you know, I can't imagine the public going, you know, understanding any of this. And so I try to impress upon my staff just to help, you know, help the public as much as you can to help them um, because it's almost hard and it's impossible. But, you know, that that's... Again, and you've been a business owner, so you're even... Actually, that's another point why it's good that you did that because then you've been a business owner and right. you understand right. how difficult it is. And hence, the city, when they hired me, they liked that 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 experience. There you go. And that's why they brought me on board right. because they, they know that it's just the, the regulatory, the, the regulations that are imposed from the state are so hard. You need somebody who's been through it and just that way they can help. Yeah. Empathize. Yeah. Yeah, if exactly. That's else, a good order. Like, yeah. You know, have yeah. a coffee over Yeah, say, exactly. Yes, I know it's awful. That yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. So, Hence, now I'm here, so I'm, I'm pretty it. happy. Well, I love your story. Yeah, and thanks, I Chris. really appreciate this because I, I think there are so many aspects. What I like think about was we're having these conversations is how many kids are sitting there. I think you had a great advantage that you knew what you wanted to do, at least to study. I think so. Right? Yeah. So at least well, I know, I know I like math. I like math. Yeah. I'll figure out a way around right. it. So at least you can get that far. But, I mean, it just to help everyone and career changers know if you can come in here or you can't or you know where all this fits so really want to thank you so thank much you this was fun was, i appreciate it oh it's so fun yeah. to talk to you i had a great time yeah, awesome. so thanks for being with us thanks So that interview was so exciting and interesting. I hope it was for all of you because I, I mean, I was just riveted because I don't understand any of this, how things work in government. Like, I, I just think that's nuts. So what I love about this was I felt like I was in the book, you know, Busy, Busy Town that you read when you were like a kid. And there's a little fox who's like holding the fire hose and there's like a hippo up in the in the building and then or maybe she's the one like doing the little her little store you feel like you're on like sesame street or something but it's real life which is what it was just so cool to hear all the various ways you can do that so i'm going to run you right now into the fast track starting with the link that simone talks about for how do you get involved in real estate development with a background like civil engineering or, you know, real estate, but really it's just civil engineering, urban planning, don't forget that piece, and how he links that all together. So here he is talking about that. A real estate company would 
um, buy the land mm-hmm. and get the approvals from the city to build the project that the land was designed for. And you would also build right. under your umbrella would right. be the contractors so, so, uh, and we can, all that too. So typically you can go one or two ways. The developer can actually build the project or the developer says, I got the approvals from the city. I'm going to have somebody else build the project. So in, in our particular case, I had a, a business partner, found a business partner. We teamed up to do it. Well, we're going to do everything. Right. So he's talking about there, he actually had a real estate development firm prior to to this position. So he has a pretty extensive knowledge about all of this space. And this is how you can build on this career. So here's a little bit more on the real estate development side. I think it is um, incredibly valuable, that that whole knowledge base of engineering side and then working in the of in the public sector and understanding planning, zoning, entitlement, um, environmental reviews. You know, all that ties into real estate development. Real estate development is most probably the most highly regulated type of industry to be in. Everything you do for a real estate project is regulated. Right. You know, with some type of agency, either it's the city agency or the state agency. There's an agency that's going to regulate you. And so understanding what those regulations are is going to be really valuable. This is super helpful. Yeah, it is. Because I think I think as a layperson that we're under the impression that real estate development is just like Oh, it's just for these people who have like tons of cash and they just go out and buy buildings and or buy land and like, you know, put up a building. And, and that's that, rare. I think right? that's, that's, that's I, more rare than people realize. I, that's what I think. You know, it now is, that you're talking about it, it is, I'm like, oh, this is not at all what that's that not is. The no, that's not the normal process. It's, it really isn't. It is probably the one, real estate development is probably the most highly regulated type of industry to be in. Understanding planning is by far one of the most important things you can do to be ready to begin to the development world, the development industry. Okay, so that's really cool because you, he's talking about it from the real estate development side, and then the other side of that is the city side. So you, these are kind of this is the interplay. So you'll have you know these real estate development firms, which essentially can be built up of a lot of um, consultant level people. There are engineers in there, there are architects in there, there are soil engineers in there, there are attorneys in there, um, and these real estate development firms, and then they in turn work with the city, obviously, to get these projects approved and then move forward. So I hadn't really thought about this, you know, community development, really think about those words, community development, we're developing communities. And so that requires a lot of teamwork and communication. And Simone spent a lot of time talking about his role as a communicator in this job that he has now as a director. He really is a frontline person. So we might think if you're not in a government job, you might think, oh, well, it's a you know government job and it's, I don't know what you would think. Would you think it's fluff or, you know, that it's easy or it's, I don't know, regulated by certain hours, but that has certainly not been his experience. Here he is. Government officials have some stereotypes and, you know, they, they think that we don't do a whole lot, but it's kind of the opposite. I think this is probably the hardest job I've ever had in my entire career. Right. So hardest job from what aspect? And we talked about what it takes really to be, he's a CEO, essentially that's in his level of maintaining this entire department, which is huge. And the numbers that are involved in terms of dollar amounts that flow through the city for all these approvals and permits is a lot, billion plus dollars a year. So this is a lot. So what does it take to do that kind of work? People don't think like that. They don't think it's like, okay, I got this kind of grunt level position and they don't look at 10, 15, 20 years that, you know, I'm going to be in management here and how do I get prepared to be kind of that, the leader? Yeah. How, do, how do I get build up leadership skills to right. be a leader of an organization? 
Right. So how do you? There's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of ways, but it's curious that Simone started as a civil engineer. We'll get into his background. I'll give you a, kind of a whole rundown on ways that you can get into the city side. It's There's a t- so much work involved in cities. You think about it just like private business, you have to have the regulation side to, you know, to go along with that. So um, just in terms of his day-to-day work now, this is what it looks like. Nowadays, it's like, I don't do any math. For me, my my day-to-day is writing. My day-to-day is communicating, speaking to people. Managing? Um, Managing all the time. Okay. All the time. And, And trying to find new talent. Right. So how do you go about finding that new talent? See, this is really cool, I think, in so many ways, because you start out as an engineer, as you know, Simone did in college, civil engineer background, you know, then goes on and gets a couple first jobs that we'll talk about. But then you end up being a really high level leader. So if you're going to be getting new talent, what does that talent need to look like in a city agency? For a city agency to attract new hires, to attract new people, it's gotten harder and harder and harder. And we do everything we can to find those special people out there to, to hire them. And so we, I've interviewed maybe, I don't know how many in my career, you know, probably hundreds in my career. It's interesting. There's a lot of people that don't know how to do an, a job interview. You know, what you need to do is when, when I'm asking you to tell me about yourself, I'm asking you to talk. I want you to explain and talk and tell me, tell me the story about you. Just as like you're doing with me today, you know, trying to go back in my background. That's the whole idea of the interview. I just want to know more, more about you. I don't have any predisposition on you as an individual. I don't know anything about you. I could read your resume, but I'll fall asleep if I read your resume. Right. You know, I want yes. you to talk. Right. And along with that, here's another little tip for interviewing with the director level person. Yeah. Okay. You've already been vetted. Now you're at the high level of getting an interview with a director. You know, can you talk? Can you present yourself well? Can you sit up straight and look at me in the eye and answer your answer the questions that I that I'm asking of you? And again, it, I'm asking just general questions. And you're softball. Tell me about you, yeah. right? Because the more they talk, the more things will start coming out. Then I could probe a little bit deeper and deeper. It's like, oh, okay, well, you tell me about those board meetings that you attended and how do you prepare for those board meetings? You know, what what is your role in those board meetings? Right? I want to know that you've been through the thick and thin of of dealing with a lot of pressure all at once, you know? Oh yeah. Are you, are you an organized individual? Um, are you somebody who melts down in a time of crisis or somebody that's going to rise to the occasion? Those are some of the things that I'm looking for, for an individual. Okay. So now you're getting a sense for Simone's work as a CEO. And as we're going through this conversation, think about that as a CEO, especially if you're starting as a civil engineer, which, which he did in college. And then you get, you know, your first couple jobs, you can reflect and think on down the line that there are other skills that you are going to potentially need to develop if you want to continue to move up or if you want to move along in your career in different ways. For instance, going from a you know private company perhaps to a city government or working in real estate development where you're going to need to interact with city agencies and have not only these skills in communicating but also these connections and these this network of people because that's what makes you more valuable. So then really what I wanted to know because I am completely unknowledgeable in this field of engineering is what is engineering? I think I didn't even know what this word meant when I was a kid. And that's really sad because I have a, a very good friend whose dad owned his own engineering company. I couldn't even tell you what kind of engineering company it was because that's how uninformed I was. So despite being quite gifted at math myself, 
This is just not an area that I ever had any real exposure to. So I want to make sure that those of you who are listening and thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a math person, I'm a science person, or I love numbers, and I like figuring out how things work, or how is that built, or why doesn't that building fall over? This is a really, really cool field. And there's so many opportunities beyond just sitting at your cubicle and, you know, doing, doing the calculations if, if you want to look beyond that. So what is engineering? So electrical is anybody who's going to make, who's going to actually design a computer or electrical board or that radio system, the electronics behind it. Okay. That's really the electrical engineering side of it. And there's a huge demand for those those professions. I'm sure. Um, especially in the aerospace engineering, uh, aerospace in- industry. Mechanical engineers are people who will end up designing maybe an engine or a car. Uh, or- biomedical? Biomedical, anything that's of a mechanical nature. Okay. I always say maybe maybe small in nature, but even though you know airplanes are kind of in that realm too. So anything that deals with hydraulics or fluids um, or heat, like an air conditioning oh, system. Oh, thermodynamics. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's okay. all. That's all the mechanical side of things. All right. Civil engineering is pretty broad too. It deals with actually the movement of dirt back and forth on land, um, rivers dams, um, anything that's of infrastructure, anything that's a vertical bridges, bridges, a house, you know, towers, um, all the Burj Khalifa, right? Yeah. All, all that is more on the civil engineering side. Very cool. Um, and there is, you know, it's all based on physics, but the specialty is understanding, um, like for uh, the structural towers, you know, how do they react? How does a tower react in wind? Which is a lot of wind up there. Yeah, and how does it react in an earthquake? And and how how much loading can the building support? And what if you do if you put all these loads at once? Well, how does the building react? And so that's what all that engineering process is. So that gives you an idea of like where this where engineering really falls. I mean, what do you even do if you're an engineer? So if you are like Simone and you go and you get a civil engineering degree or you go to college for this, what? types of classes are you going to study? What's really involved there? Oh my gosh, you take a huge amount of math classes. It's it's the, the fancy math. Um, um, All the, uh, like, well, we did derivatives and stuff like that. It's not yeah, like it's beyond that. that. It's yeah. beyond the calculus and the derivatives and you start going into kind of more higher complex type of math. Um, kind of, it's engineering related math, but it was, it gets really complex and to stuff that I don't even use today. Interesting. You know, yeah. You, know, you may use it if you're in electrical engineering because it all relates to waveforms, mm-hmm. um, and signals and all that. So, and, and that's not something that civil engineers use at all. Um, other, other classes is, um, you know, materials, you know, how do materials react oh, right. during stress? Yeah. Um, and why does steel, um, you know, does, is steel, uh, do they yield? Does it bend? How much does it bend? Does it deflect? Completely. Yeah. Does Porous, it, is it, yeah. Is yeah, it all that. And, it... and, and we took a lot of classes on just rocks and soil because when you build a house on, in, on the dirt, you got to build it on, on, a, on, a, on a soil system that is stable enough to support a house. And what happens to the soil during an earthquake? Yeah, totally right. Rooted, so, yeah. so all those all, cl- changed, yeah. all those classes that we have to do, and there's a lot of labs that go with it. You know, you got to do a lot of testing. And- so when he's talking about building a house on whatever surface, that whatever soil that you have to test all that, then I was so curious about these houses that would be perched on the hill, and you know, at the rains come, and you think that house is going down, like that's going right into that canyon. And I wanted to know, like, is this, is that a civil engineer? Who's the one who even says, you know, does all the calculations and confirms that that house is not in fact going to go into the ocean or into a canyon. So listen to him talking about that and then how he relates it to the work with the city. 
Gonna, it's a combination yeah. of everything. It's a combination of a civil engineer okay. and a combination of a geotechnical engineer. And there's another engineer, a geological engineer. And so they're and that's all, different from a geologist. Uh, so a geologist is different than a geotech, than a, a geological ge- engineer, engineer. Okay. Right. And they all have an engineering background, but they have special specialized um, fields. Somebody who's the kind of a specialist on deep soil and the other one's on subsurface soil. Um, so all those people are involved in analyzing whether that hillside is stable or not. Um, and believe it or not, all that, all that analysis needs to get submitted to the city. Right. So that's really cool. I thought when he was saying that, I'm just, I'm sure if you're an engineer listening to this, you're just like, you know, are you kidding me? Like, why didn't you think of that? Because it seems so obvious, (laughs) but it's, it's not to those of us who have not been in this field. And if you're, you know, younger, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, and by a good stroke of luck, you're able to listen to this full interview, please go listen to the full interview because there's so much more great information in there and how you can you know, plan out your career. But if you're listening to this, there are just all these jobs. And so I think even if you're like, oh, I want to be an engineer because I like, you know, to kind of, I, I could figure out how to build a house or whatnot. But even just when he's talking about, you know, the, the classes that they take and rocks and the interaction with other engineers, I think is something that would be really fascinating for someone who likes this kind of uh, work you know, how are things built or, you know, how does this material withstand heat or wind or, you know, whatever it's going to be up against and working with other engineers and other experts, I would think someone, because these are smart people, like I can just say it, these are people who are just to do the level of math that he's talking about. You have to have some facility with these, you know, with a big brain, you got to just got to be able to use your brain. So you're going to love that ability to interact with other smart people in their field. So I, I think this whole this whole topic and then looking at it in terms of do you want to work you know, on the city side or do you want to work on the private side? There's just a lot of ways that you could delve out a career, not to mention just having this really robust degree is awesome. I mean, just completely awesome. So what, for Simone, what was he thinking about when he was a kid, you know, 15, 16? What did do you think he was going to be doing? Believe it or not, my, what I wanted to be was a pilot. So in high school, I got my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. The more I kind of moved up, the more I didn't like the business aspect of it. By the time I was 18, 19, I was, I was starting to lose interest. And so I, I finally made a decision as far as what my career was going to be was not to go into the airlines, not to be a pilot. I thought that was cool, too, when he's talking about that, because he's just had a real interest in planes. He described himself as a plane geek, which I I thought was like super interesting, because, of course, you know, if you like math and science, it might make sense that you would want to figure out how does a plane fly? And could I be, you know, could I go up in one of those? And don't forget, he talks about even just in aerospace and aeronautical engineers, so many ways to apply your love of anything, you know, machines, buildings, materials, how this stuff works. So, um What I thought was really helpful about that, though, too, is that he said he just went and got a pilot's license. So I think when you're younger, if there are things that are interesting to you, it's a great opportunity, as Simone did, just to go and try it and do it and then talk to people who are doing that. And he decided for whatever reason, you can listen to the interview to get his backstory, but not to pursue that. So what about physics? Because he loved physics and started pursuing that in college. Here's his take on that. And then so I'm sitting in the kind of these study labs and doing my homework and some of the kind of graduating seniors in physics um, were studying there too. And I was talking to them. I'm like, oh, so you got a job, right? You're going to graduate. He goes, nah. 
you can't really get a job, you know, with an undergrad, you got to go get a graduate degree. And I was like, Oh, I go, then you're going to get a job. And they're like, no, you're probably going to get back and get a PhD. And I was like, no, no. I am not doing this. I'm not going to spend nine years in my life to get a PhD to go try and find a job. And that, that for me, it bugged me. I thought that was interesting too. And this is a know yourself point that he makes in this interview is, you know, he, he was very focused on getting a career and getting a job that would support him. You know, he wanted to be working. And so if you pursue something like engineering, which is technical and difficult and it's it's not going to be an easy degree to get but then once you have that you will likely be able to to get a a functional job like a job in industry pretty much immediately with those skills so that would take you there one of the things that he also brought up with was really the personality that he i i interpreted this as a personality for how he continued to make opportunities for himself as an engineer. Here's that. And for me, that's been probably the most important thing is to take those little risks, to raise your hand, to volunteer, and to kind of get the experience that you won't get from just going to school. Yeah. So you have your first job, which we'll now go into, you know, what do you do as a, as a, you know, first year engineer or second year engineer? And then how do you build on that over time to end up being in, in one of these really exceptional leadership positions in government as the director of a very large uh, department? So here, Simone, will give you an idea of what it's like to have your first engineering job. This firm, believe it or not, um, they're consultants to cities. Right, cities hire a lot of consulting firms to help them design the road, to help them oh, with yeah. everything. Right, right. They don't have all the expertise, they don't have all the knowledge base or the resources. Yeah. You got to farm out. You got to contract out everything, or not everything, but most things. So this um, firm's focus was assisting and helping and being the consultant to multiple different local agencies. So what I got hired in as I got hired as a building plan checker. So that means I'm the guy who's going to learn the building code and look at the set of plans like you're trying to figure out totally. too. And I don't know the building code. Yeah. And, and look at the plans <laughs> and the calculations and say, does this meet the code that's in, that's been adopted by that agency, by that, by that city. And then a little bit more complex stuff. You know, if you build a restaurant, how many exits does that restaurant need? Where are the exit signs going to be placed? Um, nowadays you have a lot of ADA standards. Yep. And you got to meet restrooms, the rest yeah, for sure. The, the emergency exits, right, everything. Right. Interesting. Um, um, same thing. Does it fire sprinkler? Is there a fire alarm system? So all those start to play into the design of the building. So you have the architectural stuff, which is the the exiting, the stairway width, the handrail height, and then you have the structural side of it. Is was that the structure designed according to code? And so both of those things you're doing in this job, in that job? In that job, yeah. yeah. Wow. So eventually, after you start learning the basics, you get more and more advanced and getting involved with bigger projects. Right. That's really cool. So that was his first job, which, by the way, he got just by – he had a business card, which someone had supplied – to him after it had been given to a couple other people and he ended up calling this man who ended up hiring him for for this first job and then listen to how he relates that work to the work at the city which this is one of the this is a great example for how your jobs and your work keeps building on itself to create something awesome in the end you know and there you are sitting this great you know director job but all that is little, 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 and then, you know, culminates into something big. So listen to how he ties that first job into city work. 
So after the Northridge earthquake, that was a big earthquake for everybody here in, in L.A. County. They realized the codes were inadequate. And so they had to go back and rewrite the codes and make some um, additional tweaks. And so all that eventually gets passed down to city staff and city staff needs to learn all this stuff. And that's what I did. I the was the new code. Right. right. Of, the, of the updates to the new code. You got to figure out all the, the changes to the code. Right. And that's cool. So he's saying even working as an engineer, you're working with the code on either side, whether you're with the government or um, in private industry, because you're going to be doing that for the private industry company that you're working for, you know, you know, whether you're doing a shopping mall or house or whatever it is. And then on the city side, they have people who, uh, engineers basically who check all those calculations when plans are submitted into the city. So it's, um, just cool. There's just a lot of opportunity in this. So transitioning into jobs at the city, if you're an engineer and you want to look at, oh, what could I do? What, what's possible for me to do in the city here? I'm going to give you a sense of how the city government is set up with engineers and this uh, community development department. So in the department, we have about 70 employees and the two primary divisions are planning and um, building. So building is more the engineer side. Okay. And that's where you have the engineers reviewing all the math and calculations. But on the planning side, those are the ones that are looking at the environmental aspects, looking at the height and the zoning aspects of a, of a property or of a development. Um, I just hired an individual, a new planner to come on board. Their undergrad was English. And, and now they're working on the graduate in urban planning. And okay. For me, okay. that's like, that's, that's the blend. Perf- that's awesome. Yeah. That's perfect. How cool is that? Right. So I was like, you heard me on this, <laughs> this recording. I was shocked because I, I just figured he had nothing but engineers working for him and they were all cause I, I mean, I have looked at plans like this and it is like looking at Greek. So I figured that the only real application for you know, using the, being able to review these plans is in an engineering setting. But no, as you as you just heard there, there's also opportunities um, for people who might not have a, a strict engineering background and they understand more on the planning side. And then this obviously English. Why English? Well, as you come to understand from talking to Simone for a little while is a lot, a lot of the work that they do is in presentations and preparations for the public, for the city council, for, you know, other agencies, the people who need to know if they have a permit that can't be approved. It's a, I think we called it a discretionary permit that needs to be submitted for approval. And the, what's involved in these approvals, these are long staff reports that they then have to turn into a presentation, really, in a way that, that people will understand. And even the staff reports themselves have to be written in language that someone like me, for instance, a layperson would be able to understand. So listen to him talking about, you know, beyond the, your ability to you know, do all the calculations as an engineer, what else might you get involved with either as an engineer or on the planning side? And I, I cannot tell you how many hundreds of PowerPoints that we do each year and how important it is to actually do that. Know the skill. Yeah. You have to know how to do a power, put a PowerPoint together. Luckily my kids, you know, they're actually doing slideshows yeah, you know, on like Google slides or something. Like, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're figuring that out now. But, um, today what we do, cause we, you have to communicate, um, a subject matter to your commissions or boards or councils. So we do that through not just the staff report that we write, but we do it through the PowerPoints. 
and we have to do this visual demonstration and a visual yeah. presentation so people can understand what the subject of the staff report was. So fortunately, I, I kind of taught myself over the years how to do a PowerPoint, but today it's, it, you have to know how to use a PowerPoint. Okay. There you go. Forewarned on that. I thought that was, I just wouldn't have even thought of that. I mean, I think everyone knows PowerPoint now if you're coming out of school, which is great for you, but just to give a sense of how much you, how valuable that is. And then moving on, what about writing? I've always been that math and science individual, right? I, I'm bad at writing. And interesting enough, I find my, most of my time now I spend writing. We work with the public, the press also, the city council. So we have to write in this very simplistic form. So we're constantly writing, rewriting, reviewing, rewriting to, to not to say dub it down, but no, but does that make sense? Can, can someone understand that from how I'm writing this? And we always say, think about who, think about your mother reading this. You can think about me. You can use me next meeting. Think about dinging, ding dong, Chris over there. And is anybody going to read this? can understand the subject matter or do you have to sit down and explain to them what the subject matter is, right? right. If you have to explain to them, then it's not working. Then you got to rewrite it. And hence we constantly rewriting. And so we write a ton of reports um, and we have to, because we have to submit it to the city council or the planning commission or any other commissions or boards. Um, so th- hence that's why I go back to the writing. I wish I took a, I took more writing classes. Right. That was cool too. Just to even think about. So as you're, if you're, if you're an engineer, if you're pursuing that or you really love math, I think what's evident from this conversation to work in either, you know, city government in, you know, on the planning side or the building side or real estate development and all these ancillary companies that then, you know, interact with the city, you're just going to have to be more of a frontline person unless you're going to be, you know, only in the office and not doing, not making these connections and making these contacts and that kind of thing. So, you just kind of have to think about who you are, and if you do want to move on to more higher-level uh, development projects, you become more valuable by knowing the code really well. So you could be valuable in that way if you didn't want to become more frontline. But if you do want to become more frontline, then you can get into um, even more of a sales function too. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity, I would think, as you build onto your skills. So. Be just very mindful of what Simone said earlier when he was talking about, you know, raising his hand for everything, you know, taking on additional risks, things that he wasn't comfortable with. And all these have paid off into a really successful career trajectory. So uh, just keep in mind, always growing and becoming better. And there might be things that you need to take on uh, to be able to do the things that you want to do. So who is successful in city government? What kind of people do well in, in working for the city? Sometimes the assignment was to go to the city and assist the city with, with working with the public. And so that, that's something I haven't covered is the amount of public interaction I have. Yeah, you've got to be a, you have to be a frontline person. Yes, exactly. That's you have really to be, important. You have to be able to work with the public and present t- yourself, present, yourself. present the, whatever, you know, you're like you said, your PowerPoints, that kind of stuff, but be in front of people, be communicating yeah, constantly. It's, it's, you're not going to be successful without that. No, you, Would you say that that's true across like even your staff working for a city government? Oh, for, 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 for the government, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. You're not going to, you're not going to hide uh, behind an office uh, mm-hmm. or behind a desk and think you, you get, you could avoid the public interaction. Okay. No way. You, we, we are, it's a public agency. It's a regulatory agency, but our primary focus is customer service. Right. We have to provide a high level of customer service. That's really, really important. So this was really surprising to me because I hadn't really 
sat and thought about it, what would be involved if someone were working in a city agency. So this is all part of it. And I'm going to close with what is really essential for someone working in a city agency and particularly in this agency of the community development department. So for me, I want to know that this individual is happy to work with the public, right? We're a public agency, that's right? Important, yeah. You know, if you are an individual that's been hiding behind their desk, desk for the last 15 years, that's probably not an individual I, I, I want to hire. I don't think it's the right fit for, fit for our organization. So I need to know that you want to engage, you want to help, you want to serve the public. And it truly is. It's a service-oriented business. So there you have it. I'm just going to close with a couple defining points. We talked so much in this interview about the importance of writing, the importance of communicating, the importance of interacting with the public, but also with, you know, with people, with anyone across your coworkers, all that kind of stuff. So who do you have to be? Again, we always talk about that on this podcast. Who do you have to be to be successful in this arena? And those are elements that are going to be essential. Yes, you're going to have the, the math background and the engineering background to support your your career, obviously, if you're going to be on the building side, you're going to be checking those things. But then if you can supplement your yourself with these excellent skills, you probably will have great success in not only this arena in working in the in city government, but also being able to communicate with other people in ways that make sense to them and so much of, of what happens for people who are experts is they are called upon to give that expertise to other people. So thanks again for listening. I am Chris Calvert from Career Goals, and I want to make sure everyone knows that I will include links below these episodes with you know, sites for urban planning, the city of Newport Beach, civil engineering, education, as well as any other references that you can get. So be sure and check those out. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, we really appreciate a good review or a little, you know, five-star rating. Those are super helpful as we get the word out. And if you have a buddy or a pal that you know might enjoy some of these podcasts and listening in on these career choices and options and all this amazing wealth of experience and advice that we're getting from people actually doing these jobs, we really appreciate any support. Thanks again for listening. Again, it's Chris Calvert from Career Goals, and we will see you next time. Care of care of care of 